I just realized that um, the mic that I use on Sundays doesn't work half the time, and now I know why it sounds so good. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. It'll look a lot different in, up there than it does now, okay? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> good to see you guys here tonight. We had a wonderful time gathered our last night and hanging out, having questions and and fellowshipping. You know, I, I told them I told them last night. I said I said uh, you know we're going to close at eight o'clock because I know it'll be nine thirty before you all leave. And guess what? Nine thirty. The last one left, so I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> but anyway, it was, it was good. We enjoyed it. Had a good time. Um, had plenty of coffee left for me to drink. It was good. Stayed up all night. It was awesome. <laughs> How many are enjoying this? Isn't this great? Amen. That's right. Well, what I want to do is um, I'm going to, because I don't want to do this later, I'm going to have... Um, Ken to kind of walk around and uh, take up offering, and if you uh, if you will join me in helping us uh, honor Brother Grant and Miss Kelly for their uh, time and effort, I, and I'm going to just say, guys, um, they spend a lot of time just they're not out gallivanting here. Even even here, they are up early studying, uh, writing. She's proofing. Because he can't spell, and uh, <laughs> Kelly, where are you? I'm trying to. <laughs> so she'll get it. <laughs> oh, she did not tell me to say that. <laughs> but but anyway, they're a great team. They work together, and and, and I really enjoyed to uh, spend some time with them to hear their heart, hear their desire and passion for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for just loving us. Lord, for your word that you've given us, for preparing us. Lord, we don't have to walk in fear. We don't have to walk in anxiety. Or We can know. We can know truth. We can see signs. And we can be confident that we are walking in you. And I pray, Lord, that as we continue this week, that we will grow deeper in our relationship with you, that we will learn uh, greater, uh, one, how we can show others the way, but also how we can live our lives to honor and glorify you. Holy Spirit, teach us. Open our hearts, our minds. Welcome into this place. Open our eyes to see the revelation that you want us to see. Lord, if there's any hindrance, if there's anything that would keep us from drawing near, I pray that tonight, God, we would let loose of those things that would entangle us or hinder us from drawing near your presence, God. We just thank you for who you are, for what you do. We ask your Holy Spirit to guide every step of the way. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone. Everyone okay? 
All right, so I got a couple requests to uh, speed up. So, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, your laughter tells me something else, but that's okay. It's okay. Um, for current events tonight, uh, we're just having a couple of computer glitches tonight, so I'm going to save some of what I was going to do tonight, tomorrow, but I am going to still go over a couple things before we begin. Is that all right? You sure? Okay. All right. So uh, first, in the back of your handouts, the last page, some people have asked, do you have a website? There's are additional studies, current events. On the back of that, and there's gonna, we'll show that video uh, tomorrow night, um, there, uh, on the website itself, you can get in, there's additional studies, meaning um, this is more of a conference and we're touching on different aspects and different things, but um, there are several studies on the book of Daniel. Some were shot in my home office during the COVID shutdown. We had first moved back to Michigan, and in Michigan, no churches were open, none. It was very few and far between. So um, I rented a church uh, almost 11 months ago and just started holding a community Bible study in a sanctuary on a Sunday night, and I've got probably 12 different religions coming and all these different people coming. We're all studying the Bible together in a community. All of those are online as well. Those are anywhere from eight to 12 week series specifically on certain topics in the Bible. Each Sunday night though, every night is about 30 to 40 minutes of current events. What happened and why is that news through the lens of scripture? So it's not that you can't watch current events for any other reason, but I'm here to look at through the lens of scripture and why is this news? What, what's the big deal? What's going on? And it's not to scare people, it's to prepare people, use as a ministry tool to talk to other people in the church. Because everything that's going on in the world, <laughs> how can I say this? Through the lens of Scripture, usually it's for the people who want to know Scripture. The Bible even says the things that are in here are often blah, blah to the people who don't believe, right? So when we speak about the things that are going on through the lens of Scripture, it's to strengthen us, to get us ready, but then now we want to strengthen to go out and minister to people because I want to know what's going on in sports, I want to know what's going on in media, I want to know what's going on in politics, I want to know what's going on in education, I want to know all these things. So I, you know what? There's little nuggets that you can pass out to people. Do you know what the Bible said this? Do you know what the Bible said this? You might find out that someone attended church a long time ago, and you're going to spark a little interest in that. So, but also the Bible says that we need to be talking about this more and more because it encourages one another and we're blessed to know about what's going on, not to not know what is going on. So uh, on the website, there'll be additional studies. Every, um, that, those come out Monday night, every Monday night. And then on uh, Thursday nights, there's a 30 to 40 minute current event video that I do shooting green screen. I'll be standing in Israel on the Temple Mount. I'll be somewhere and we'll talk about what's going on in the world that is it's all scripture-based, and those come up on the screen as well, and there's a lot of other things on there, and there's current events that are in print with the link to the article, and there's a summarization of that as well. So we'll talk about that more tomorrow night, but I want to get um, straight into these current events, and like I said, we're going to skip a couple that have some video clips on it that I wanted you to see. So uh, before we do, the, um, before we do uh, the study tonight, first, first current event. Massive Israel drills are launched to simulate major war offensive by Iran. So in the Jerusalem Post and Times of Israel is where I typically get most of my current events. Jerusalem Post, Times of Israel. It doesn't mean that you can't find this news somewhere else. 
I just see, it seems you can find a lot more about Israel through the eyes of Israel. The United States typically, typically, and uh, we can talk about the political side of things. I don't care if it's left or right. It, team, it even seems to be that even a little more right-wing leaning media outlets tend to look at Palestine as the favorite and no longer Israel. So if you still watch CNN, MSNBC, CNBC, oh, I can't believe you're doing it. I'm just saying you're not going to pick up this information often on those. Is that okay? I mean, you might see a glimpse of the story, but it's going to be through a total different filter than if you're looking at it through the Jerusalem Post, the Times of Israel, and so forth like that. So it says the Israelis' military and civilian authorities launched a large-scale war drill starting on Sunday, October 31st. So why people are trick-or-treating, <laughs> Israel's military and their civilians are, are launching a large-scale war drill. Well, I don't think Jesus is coming. They've been doing that for a long time. That happens all the time. No, it doesn't. They're preparing for precision rocket blitz coming from Lebanon, targeting civilians and infrastructure supplied by Iran. Now, if you have a map, it's still in the back of your binder or wherever you put it in the sleeve of your binder. You can take a look at where Lebanon is in conjunction with Israel. Israel to the west, where they typically, they didn't, wasn't supposed to be the capital, but Tel Aviv, that's where you probably heard that a lot in the 1980s and 90s, the Tel Aviv on the Mediterranean port. Just to the north of that, you go up and you'll see Lebanon. Lebanon is where the terrorist organization Hezbollah is located. You guys have ever heard of Hezbollah? Hezbollah, the other terrorist organization to the south of Israel in the Gaza Strip, would be called what? Starts with an H. Hamas. Hamas. So it's Hamas, Hezbollah. Hamas to the south, Hezbollah is to the north. So Hezbollah is going to, as uh, even three or four months ago, they were lobbed in about five or 600 missiles into the northern west part of Israel. But now Iran is funneling all of their missiles into Lebanon. Israel knows it. A couple weeks ago, Israel did a preemptive strike in Damascus. Did you guys see that? So there was a preemptive strike against the artillery depots right outside Damascus. Now, when you look at Damascus in the Bible, it talks about end-time prophecy that Damascus will be completely wiped out and destroyed. Well, it didn't happen a couple weeks ago. Nope. But you can see, well, what's going on there? Because Iran, Turkey, and Russia keep stockpiling in Damascus. From Damascus, the capital, they're moving it down into the northern part of the Golan Heights. You look at the map, you can see the gold is to the north of Israel, right where Mount Hermon is. That's where the um, Jordan River starts, and it flows all the way down to the Sea of Galilee in the northeastern part of Israel. Northeastern part of Israel. So the drill ended on Thursday, this past Thursday, which covers multiple threats requiring evacuations, complete frontline communities, dispersal of local Arab disturbances in mixed cities. What are we going to do? Because there are Arab people all throughout Israel, everyone. They're all throughout Israel. All throughout. Well, but is Arab and Muslim different? Yes, they are. But there is going to be a culture shift when things shake down, right? You may be, how many people, how many people like every single person in their family? Right? But if someone messes with someone in your family, right? 
You can pick on them all you want, but if someone else decides to get in on it, then there's issues, right? You got a couple issues if someone else jumps in on it. So you will see in Arab culture, Muslim, Islamic, Middle East people, and we have screens, so we're going to use that. We have that happening, so we'll talk about website tomorrow. So people inside of Israel, they are making preparations for this right now. So, okay, well, we'll skip that too. All right. (laughs) Give me a little audio on that track when you get a chance. Now, we have tanks are rolling in and out of the northern part of Israel right now, patrolling Israel, ready for a preemptive strike. Now, they've talked about attacking Iran inside of Iran, and that's when President Trump was in office because they had someone to back them up. Everyone okay with that? Because it's true. That's what he said. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. So, this map that we're referring to, that what's going on, once again, you have Lebanon in the coast. It is along the Mediterranean coast. Turkey is to the north. If you guys, anyone go cruising in the Mediterranean, I'd probably take a break for now. If you always wanted to go see the Mediterranean, you might want to wait until the millennium reign of Christ where it all calms down. Or get a one-way ticket, because you may not come back. You may say, hey, you know what? It's, just, it's, getting, it's getting bad. It's getting bad, everyone. The north part of Africa, where Libya, from Egypt, when you start coming around that corner, it's getting, it's getting, it's getting bad. It's getting really bad. So Ezekiel 38, Ezekiel 38, the never wrong prophet Ezekiel. Do you know why Ezekiel was considered never wrong? Because he was never wrong, right? He was never wrong. So you have never wrong prophets in the Bible, and the reason they're in there is because they were never wrong. They were proven, they were proven never to be wrong. Ezekiel, never wrong prophet, tells us that there's a battle just prior or right around the time of the rapture of the church that initiates a seven-year peace treaty from Daniel chapter 9. The nations that are involved where you see Iran now funding artillery and loading it up in Lebanon to Hezbollah, Persia, Iran, 1935, is in Ezekiel 38, and it said that would be one of the nations that to look out for around the time of the rapture of the church. Well, I think Iran's always been... Iran has never been on the other side of the border of Israel all over from Syria inside of Lebanon. And they advertise all the time. They advertise. See, if you're trying to sneak up on someone and you don't want to know they're coming, but if you're very forthright and say, this is what we're doing, this is what we're doing, and guess who's joining them? Russia's joining them and Turkey is joining them. Also, coming up the Red Sea, see at the bottom of the screen, coming up the Red Sea, Ethiopia and the Sudan. Ethiopia and the Sudan, the areas of Ethiopia and Sudan, they are not known for their great military presence. They just don't have one. But you know who's in Ethiopia and the Sudan right now, up the Red Sea? Turkey. You know who's in Egypt right now helping President Sisi? Turkey. You know who's in Libya right now? Turkey, Russia. In Iran. So when the Bible says Libya, and we'll talk about this tonight in our study, Libya, northern Africa, right just to the west of Egypt, Egypt, and right below Egypt is Ethiopia and the Sudan. The Bible lists those, 
So right around the Mediterranean, the Red Sea, so there's no escaping Israel. And then you have Jordan to the east. And then you have the Persian Gulf coming up from Saudi Arabia and Iran and Iraq and Syria. Everything is funneling towards Israel. Israel is surrounded. You know the Bible said Israel would be surrounded. So when you see these things taking place, Jesus said, I pay attention to what's going on. There is a general by the name of President Sisi who is actually in charge right now inside of Egypt. Prior to him, there was the Muslim Brotherhood that a president, prior to uh, actually following President Mubarak, there was a president that lasted, oh, just for about 11 months, President Morsi. Do you guys remember that? There was an overthrow in 2011. From 1981 to 2011, there was a president in Egypt called President Mubarak, and his sons controlled Egypt. They were very Israel-friendly. Do you guys remember? They, it's like, why, what's the big deal? Do you know that Egypt and Israel, the Israeli Jewish people and Hebrew people have history? There's a little history there, right? Isaiah told us something. The Never Wrong Prophet said, I told you from the beginning what happened at the end. There's nothing new under the sun. Even though Egypt was friendly to Israel for 30 years under President Mubarak, did you know that the United States gave Israel or President Mubarak $900 million a year to be nice to Israel? I could be nice to a lot of people for a little bit less. I mean, I mean, $800 million, I could be nice to a lot of people, right? It's just like, for $900 million, be nice to Israel. Now, President Sisi, just four months ago, is the first time any military operation took place outside of the corridors of Egypt, and they went over to assist and load up inside of Libya with Russia, Turkey, and Iran. And that's regular news. It's just regular news. They, they went out there. Said, oh, my goodness, first time that Egypt left their territory. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe this. I wonder what's going on. I don't know. The Bible said that Egypt is going to come up against Israel at the same time, Turkey, Iran, and Russia. And the church doesn't want to talk about it. Ah, don't want to get involved in politics and government and geography. But the Bible says, I command you to know this. Why would Jesus command you to know something that you're not supposed to know? Right? And it's okay to talk about everyone because it's not political, it's biblical what is taking place. See, the Bible uses every aspect of our life so we're not missing anything. Because not all of us like politics, we don't want to hear it anymore. Not all of us like sports, we don't want to, what are you talking about sports? There is so much end time stuff going on in sports. I'm going to lose my job, Aaron, look at Aaron Rodgers, right? You guys, everyone? Aaron Rodgers. Well, what does that have to do with anything? It's a, Jesus said, I will show you things to come. Guy's making $35 million a year, and State Farm loves him. But a healthcare, healthcare, give him $3 million a year in advertising, just pulled the plug after nine years. So we're going to have to make a stand. See, God didn't say, I'm going to show you everything now. He said, I'm going to show you things to come. If you can't make a stand now against something, once again, I'm not saying taking the vaccine is a sin. I'm not saying not taking the vaccine is a sin. I'm saying it's a sign of you and I, after the rapture takes place, this is what's going to happen everywhere. Not just, do you want to have a job or not? It's like, do you want to eat? Why? Rationing is going to be taking place. But I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm trying to prepare you. Eat now. <laughs> I'm kind of kidding. Okay, no, that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. All right. Next current event. <laughs> 
Pentagon. Pentagon says the world will have three great powers now, and the U.S. is now going to be challenged greatly by the other two. You'll never guess what the Pentagon said was going to be. Russia and China. China, oh, come on, seriously? Do you know that China's at at the end of time? as we know it, at the end of the seven-year tribulation. It says they're going to come marching from the east, and they're going to cross the Euphrates River once it dries up in Iraq, and they're going to come right into Israel for that battle of Armageddon. Well, is there any more information on that? Sure is. The world is reshaping. This is Pentagon right now. And everyone, who is this? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. No one even knows his name. Everyone just goes, ill. Okay, all right, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's just section right here I can hear. All right, so General Mark Milley, he just said, speaking at the Aspen Security Forum just on Wednesday of last week, he's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he said, I, I will admit that U.S. domination is over. Hmm. Now, once again, I'm not anti-U.S. I was in the military. I served four years active, four years in reserve. I was overseas most of that time. I flag the flag. I fly the flag. I wear military stuff. I love camo. I love the military. I love the police officers. I back the blue. I do all those things. But we have to be openly talking about what's going on in the United States without everyone getting upset. Okay? Is that all right? Okay. <laughs> I do notice that most of the people sit to the right, though. Okay, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. That's right. For those who laughed, I appreciate you. All right. Mark Milley said, we're entering into a tripolar world with U.S., Russia, and China are the three great powers in the world. He said, trying to maintain peace now between these great powers in this configuration is going to be significantly more difficult than it was even during the Cold War. With rapidly developing technologies... Adding to the complexities, and then he went blah, 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 blah. Okay, uh-huh. Well, guess what? You know what China is surrounding right now? A little island right now, and this is the reason why there's about 4 million Ford trucks sitting in parking lots across this country. Taiwan. The United States does an occasional flyover, and China sends 20 airplanes and says, no, you're not getting here. Within the next 12 months, China said if it doesn't completely take over Taiwan peacefully, it will take it forcefully. This is regular news. And you know what? I bet you the United States will say, okay, because we want our chips, right? We want our chips. Not our potato chips. We can get those anywhere. We want new vehicles. We want this one because it's about money. It's not conspiracy, everyone. There's vehicles sitting everywhere. I'm from Detroit. There's a, they're parking 10 cars in my yard right now. They don't have any place to put cars. They're everywhere because no one can drive a car. So you know why used car prices are going up? Because you can't get a new one. The supply chain, everything is like, Pastor, you're making it sound so miserable. No, these are signs. I want to get out of here. So we have to be able to talk intelligibly and not become so angry. No, Jesus is coming, everyone. This is exciting. Jesus is coming. So drive a new car until he comes. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. Pay 10 times what you should for a used car. It doesn't matter because you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. I don't know, my 1955 Chevy. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But it's paid off. It doesn't matter. I just got to reupholster it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's going to be fine. <laughs> so why does this? Why is this in the news? Remember, it's not just about Russia. It's also about China. 
War of Gog and Magog, we know that Rosh or Russia is involved in that. We're going to talk about that tonight. And all these nations that you see on the map from Turkey, Iran, China, and these are the major players right now in the world regarding not just Israel, but in the world. The United States has been trying to pull the plug on Iran for a long time from stopping making those nuclear weapons. President Trump put the squeeze on them. It was crippling them. It actually changed their election by who got in. That's how bad it was. But now, boom, they're making it again, and they're actually funneling everything they want to into Lebanon right now. And that's why. And this is why you're going to see Israel starting to be more active. You're going to see them being more active in Syria. Not just because the Bible said so. It's because it happens every single day on the news. See, this is the thing that's like, well, I don't know. What does the Bible say? Watch the news. It's happening in the news. In the news. I've had Christians say, well, where are you coming up with this stuff? I go, the news. Well, how do you know it's in the Bible? Uh, well, is it in the Bible? Yeah, it actually says these nations in the Bible. Well, I, I can't see Libya attacking anybody. Okay, well, there is this thing called the Arab Spring. You guys you've ever heard of the Arab Spring? It's not the Irish Spring, it's the deodorant. The Arab Spring. Arab Spring, totally different thing. Arab Spring happened in 2011. In the Arab Spring, several of the Arab nations around Israel and the Middle East, around the Mediterranean, all switched. I say dictatorships, but basically dictatorships. They switched who was in charge. Seven of the ten nations that are supposed to be up against Israel at the time of War of Gog and Magog were before the Arab Spring were actually neutral or for Israel. Libya did not care. Who was in charge of Libya up until 2011? Muammar Gaddafi. He didn't care of anything about Israel. He didn't care. He was still wearing his outfit from 1958 to work every single day, if you guys remember that. In 2011, boom, Libya is taken out. Who's in Libya right now? Who's in Libya? Russia, Turkey, and Iran. Libya is not going to attack Israel, but those three nations are controlling the Mediterranean so Israel can't do anything and no one else can get in to help them. They're controlling the naval patterns all throughout the Mediterranean. This isn't conspiracy theory. They actually have war drills together. In the month of September, Britain and Germany joined Russia and Turkey in the Mediterranean for naval drills off the coast of Lebanon and Israel. Well, why would they do that? Oh, they're just hanging out and having a good time. Hey, you're here too. Oh my goodness, let's just boat together. No, that's not what they're doing. They're strategically planning. They're having wartime drills. This is what they're taking place. Ethiopian Sudan. This is, oh yeah, I always wanted to go there on a holiday. And No, this is not what's going on. Turkey's there right now. You don't want to go. And I'm not saying the little turkey at Thanksgiving time. I'm talking the nation of Turkey. They're getting ready to attack Israel because they don't want anything, no help from the Red Sea, no help from the Persian Gulf, no help from the Mediterranean. Israel is being surrounded, and their Iron Dome, you guys know what the Iron Dome is inside of Israel? The Iron Dome had a little bit of difficulty during this last uprising in Lebanon where they were lobbing in a lot of bombs and in the Gaza Strip. Now, those are limited to the technology that and the range in Hamas and Hezbollah had. This is why Iran, when they're sending their stuff in, that has longer distance range. And there's thousands, thousands. Hezbollah is saying we have thousands. If someone's telling you who's against you, hey, we got a couple thousand, it means they have a lot more than what they're telling you. The Iron Dome is not tasked for that. 
There's David's sling. There's some other things, which is very interesting, what they named. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? David's sling is one of the things they named their military reactionary um, defense systems. So what's going on with Taiwan? What's going on in China? What's going on with the relationship with, with what came to light prior to the election and after the election with our president's son in China? All of these things, you got, this is not a coincidence. And I know people, oh, it's conspiracy. It's not conspiracy if it's true. It's not conspiracy if it's true. So this map right here is the players right now that you'll see, not just in Daniel, but Ezekiel, that we'll be talking about more over the next couple days. Now, when you really start breaking down not just Ezekiel, but Daniel, here are the players in Daniel and Ezekiel that are going to come up against Israel at the time of the end. And it just so happens these are the nations that are against Israel right now. The five nations that you see in Europe, those are the nations that most believe are the five toes of the Western Roman Empire at the end of the Roman Empire on that statue in Daniel chapter 2. And I don't know if we'll have time to get to all of that over the next couple of days, but we did a series, um, two different series in Daniel and going over these are the nations from, these are the descendants of Gomer from Germany to Britain to Spain where the Morabitam is, the largest terrorist organization in the world and Italy, Italy is where you have Rome. That is where you're going to have the false prophet come from. And after he leaves there to join it, it says he's actually going to blow that back up. It's going to be crazy. And France, France, the president of France, Macron, President Macron, do you know that Lebanon up until about three months ago, for the last year and a half, they wanted him to take over after all of Lebanon's government quit on them. Guys, remember there was an explosion that took took place in Lebanon last year, and after that, they realized their government has no idea what they're doing, so they wanted to bring the French in to run them. <laughs> eh, I thought that was more funny than you did. Okay, it's okay, all right? It's okay, it's all right. Is everyone okay? You know, it's okay to, to laugh. It's okay. I, I appreciate you. It's okay. It's okay. We got to have fun in church, everyone, but it's okay. And not this is like, ha-ha, funny, but it's like, hey, I can't believe, the Bible is so accurate. And it's not by chance. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe how lucky John is in all this writing. I just, oh, I don't know what's going on. Revelation 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is what? He's what? He's the Word. This is the revelation of the Word. So at the end of the whole Bible, the 66th book of the Bible, the angel comes to John and goes, I'm going to tell you everything, John. Because we told Daniel... We told Daniel 600 years ago, seal everything up because no one else is going to understand it. But when they start running to and fro trying to figure it all out, we're going to open this thing back up and give you the revelation of the word, Jesus Christ. And we're going to unveil, unveil all the divine mysteries. It, says, it didn't say we're going to create all the divine mysteries. It didn't say we're going to now hocus pocus and now it's going to be here. It says, no, we're going to pull the veil back or open up that which has always been. Because that bear me dishonest if the Bible says... I've already said what was going to take place from the beginning and from the end. He goes, I don't change, and I've told you everything, so then why would he just create something at the end? It's all there. It's all there. So God gave it to him to disclose, this angel, to make known to his bondservant certain things. Things means word, God's word, promises in God's word. Things that must shortly and speedily come to pass in their what? Entirety. It's going to happen in its entirely, entirety very soon. It's not going to happen in its fullness until we're gone. 
But we have to see it coming. That's a promise from Jesus, Mark, I'm, uh, in Luke 21 and Matthew 24. He goes, you're going to see these things coming. You're going to see these things forming. One world government, one world religion. You're going to see China, Russia, Turkey, Iran, and all these different areas in the, in the northern part of Africa. You're going to see it taking place. And everyone understand, this is not limited to one passage in the Bible, all this information. Did you know this information is all throughout all the Bible? When you read Bible stories in Sunday school, we don't tell the five-year-old, you know what the real meaning of this is behind here? <laughs> Let me tell you about a one-world economy, kid. Get over here. Let me tell you. So there are principles and stories about good and evil, right? Sin. You, when you're younger, you tell it a story differently, right? There's sin, judgment, Jesus is the way. And as, as they get older, you start explaining more thoroughly what things are going on. But then when you understand, the New Testament says, you know those stories in the Old Testament? Because Jesus went back to it, Peter, Paul, Jude, John. He says that's what it's going to be like at the time of the end. That judgment, God told them if they didn't change, that judgment was going to come. If they were found righteous, they live for eternity with me. If they are unrighteous or evil or wicked or habitually keep sinning, they will spend eternity in hell. Kids understand heaven and hell. They understand a timeout. They understand a spanking. But I think as adults, we start rationalizing it away, right? It's like, oh, really? What's going to happen to me? I'll just talk my way out of it. No, you won't. You're not going to talk your way out of it. So blessed, blessed, happy. This is end time stuff, everyone. Summarizing all 65 books into the last book, blessed and happy and to be envied is the man who reads out loud in the assemblies, in the churches, groupings of people, the words of this prophecy. I'm not going to be hated. I'm going to be blessed. See, the ones who want to hear it, the ones who want to know, the ones who are desiring God, what would you have? What are the divine mysteries? What is this all about? It says, I'm going to be blessed because people want to hear it. And then, the, and then it keeps going. And blessed and happy to be envied are those who hear it. Hmm. It didn't say scared are the ones who are going to hear it. Too bad for the ones who have to hear it. Too bad you have to know because everyone is just ignorant and blissful. No, they're not. I don't want to be ignorant to what is going on because when you're ignorant to what is going on, you will look for anything to tell you, I, would, I just want to be happy. Oh, is, is, oh, so it's going to be fine? It's going to be fine? Yeah. Why is it going to be fine? Oh, I don't want to know. I just want to be happy. No, you're happy and envied are you when you know what's going on. There's a total difference between a believer who knows what's going on, who knows what's coming because you can act and you walk differently because you're filled with faith. Why? I believe God's word is true. I don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but by faith, I believe it, so I'm gonna, I believe judgment's coming, so I'm going to act totally different. Why? Because I see the signs, judgment's coming. When a believer, one who goes to church who calls himself a believer, doesn't care about any single thing, you live differently when you don't think judgment's coming. I don't care who you are. You can be the greatest person in the world, but if you don't think your mom and dad are coming home and you had to have the room clean when they got home and you don't think they're coming home, you don't clean the room. But you're always a clean person when your parents are there. 
It is the person who understands, regardless of the spanking or not, I want to honor them. I want to take care of them. When are you going to be home? Because I want to be ready for when you get home. I want to please you. I want to take care of you. It's not just about the punishment. It's about I love you. And this is why it's so important to understand what God's word is trying to tell you. He says, who keep themselves true to the things. Word, God's word. I've written in my word what you must do in order to be ready to spend eternity in heaven with me. This is, I'm saved by works, everyone. But it says, when I get saved, I've made righteous. Now I walk in that divine nature and I keep changing from glory to glory. I can choose to be changed or I can choose to go back the way I used to live. It's your choice. It can't be once saved, always saved because of what are all these warnings for? If it, where are all these warnings to the church if it's once saved, always saved? Why would he warn the church over and over? Don't be deceived, don't be duped. Well, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Oh, you should care because there's going to be many who come out in the name of Jesus and deceive many about sin, judgment, and righteousness. Everyone okay? All right. I'm slowing it down, too. (laughs) I'm uncaffeinated right now. Wait till I get going. I have a secret IV. It's hidden right inside of here. But envied are those who keep themselves to the things which are written in it, in the word, for the time, for the time for them to be fulfilled is what? So John, it said, John, don't, don't un- uncover everything because it's, it's near. It's near. The time is, is, is really near. So how, how close are we, right? Well, all these things are just happening so fast. The last 18 months, I could really see how things are changing. I made reference to this Sunday night, but I want to show you a video clip. We have audio on this track. This is then-Senator Joe Biden, (laughs) now our president, and, sorry, and he is giving the confirmation, everyone gets to say their last thing to Justice Roberts, who's being confirmed on the Supreme Court. You guys ready for this? The C-SPAN, you can still watch it. Can a microscopic tag be implanted in a person's body to track his every movement. There's actual discussion about that. You will rule on that, mark my words, before your tenure is over. Can brain scans be used to determine whether a person is inclined toward criminality or violent behavior? You will rule on that. When you look at what Senator Biden is talking about right there, there's additional information what he was speaking of. It's to not just track you, but in order for you to buy, sell, or trade. This is 2005 on C-SPAN, and I know it's not the most exciting thing to watch. But you know that Jesus isn't trying to sneak up on anybody? God's go, I put this on TV for the church. The very guy who gave the last word to Justice Roberts, who is supposed to be for life, flipped. The very person who said, you're going to have to decide whether or not it's lawful to buy, sell, or trade to take a chip is the president right now. Oh, that's crazy coincidence. Oh, boy. Bible's full of them. So likewise, this is Jesus after he told everyone for the previous 32 verses what you must do and the previous 23 chapters after the first two chapters of his life was fulfilling prophecy as a child. He said, so likewise, when you see all these things, word, things in my word, prophetic things, and Jesus is the word. He's not limiting it to Matthew 24. He's saying the things Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Genesis, what Jacob was fulfilling and talking about when he blessed him and said, you're going to come from the line, the scepter, and the Shiloh, and Daniel, all these things. 
When you see all these things, I command you to know that it is near. I command you to know. I command you to know. You know, that's the same, that command to know in the imperative mode is a command. I command you to do it. Go make disciples. That is a command to go do. It's not an option. It's not an option to know. He doesn't want us to miss it so much. He commands us to know what's going on. And in the Amplified, it says when you see all these things all taken what? Together. Because in 2 Peter 3, we know that says, oh, yeah, you've been talking about this forever. You've been talking about this forever. You've been talking about this forever. No, we haven't. We can't be talking about this forever. It can't. It's impossible. But we just saw in 2005, they're talking about a chip. We know there's a chip. It's going on right now. They're talking about a chip. In Utah right now, in Utah, the new driver's license in Utah, it has your credit score on it. It can track. It has all your information, medical. It has everything on it. Well, I'm not going to Utah then. It doesn't mean you're going to stop the rapture, everyone. (laughs) Everyone thinks, well, if I just fight it, it's going to stop the rapture. No, these are just signs. These are just signs, just signs. That's what I'm saying. We get, we get so, I'm not saying don't fight wickedness. I'm saying these are signs that Jesus has come because he says you're going to know of a surety that he, he's near. He's at the very doors. Jesus is at the very doors. What does that mean? What, what is he talking about? You know, in Revelation 3, it says that Jesus, he stands at the door and he knocks. And you know, there's another story about the ten virgins. And he said, he came up to them, and they knocked on the door. And they knew the season of when the the marriage was supposed to be. But five of them weren't ready. They were virgins, but they let their oil run out. Well, what, what is that talking about? You know, Old and New Testament, that oil is the anointing, that spirit, that Holy Spirit. Why did Jesus say, he goes, at the end of time, you're going to need the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth regarding sin, judgment, righteousness, and things to come. They called themselves a believer. They were with all the other believers, right? There's 10 of them sitting there. It's like, hey, we're all, we're all ready for this. Hey, man, let's go. He goes, yeah, but you know what? I don't, I don't see it the way you see it. I'm not getting ready. And it says, they knew it was time to get married. They were waiting for the groom. Jesus is the groom. The church is the bride. They were supposed to be waiting, and they took off. They weren't ready. We got to get ready, church. And these signs, like I said, every, every night when we go through these, we'll just hit a couple of them, but... It's all throughout the news. It's all throughout the news. Everyone ready? Everyone get that? Okay. Okay, we're doing good. We're doing good on time. We're doing good. I can sense it. I can feel it. All right. Grab your notes. Once again, don't get scared by all the pages. Don't get scared. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I I just look at it and go, wow, I feel bad for you guys. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, okay, Luke 21. Luke 21. Who's speaking here? Who's speaking? Not Luke. Who's, who's speaking? Luke is quoting someone. Who's he quoting? Jesus. Jesus is telling the disciples. He just told them what they must do in order to be ready. Take heed to yourselves. Be on guard to avoid your hearts to be overburdened and depressed. Wow. Telling the end times church, remember, because he's telling these it's going to look like at the time of the end. And he goes, hey, 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 guard yourself. Because you don't want your hearts to be overburdened, depressed, right? It's easy to be overburdened, depressed, isn't it? Anyone? Has anyone ever been overburdened and depressed about anything? Anyone? I have, right? 
So we, have, we know in our life we can get overburdened and depressed with things that are happening from marriage to uh, kids, medical reports, job situations, finances. You know, is, is Tennessee going to win this week? I mean, these, all these things that can just overburden us. and just. But he said, make sure, guard yourself. Don't get weighed down with the giddiness. It doesn't mean you're laughing it off. It means you can't believe what's going on that you laugh. Because when you see what's going on, not just, see, there's one thing, we can look at Israel, we're supposed to, but you can also look at the United States and go, I can't believe what's taking place. This is crazy. And you can become giddy and headaches and nausea, and then you become self-indulgent, right? Because it's all about me. It's all about my wants. So I got to protect me. I got I to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Do we have enough toilet paper? I told Kelly the other day, we have probably a forest full of trees of toilet paper. <laughs> it's an overflow. It's going to be in heaven. I mean, it's just everywhere. We just, we're always, but I'm just kidding. We don't really have that much. But if you need some, see me afterwards. And then for it all come. <laughs> you don't have worldly worries and cares pertaining to the business of life. You know that tomorrow's got enough anxiety and worries of its own? It didn't say don't plan. Didn't say, it didn't say be foolish. It says stop stressing out about it. Have you done everything that you know what to do? Yes. Then let God take care of the rest. Don't be like the unwise virgins. You see things happening, then prepare for it. Because why? If you miss the rapture, it's going to come upon you everything. What's going to happen? All the judgments are going to come upon the earth for everyone who's left on the face of the earth. Everyone. As in the days of Noah, as in the days of Lot. Anyone who didn't go down that ark, everyone got judgments on the earth. If you think this is judgment on the earth right now, no, this is wickedness in the earth. This is wickedness, as in the days of Noah. The world was so wicked, and that's why God said, okay, time's almost up. I'm going to get the right people out of here. Anybody who wants to come... And then judgments will come upon the earth. That's what the seven-year tribulation is for. So keep awake. Keep awake. That's why I talk fast. Keep people awake. And then watch at all times. It doesn't mean you can't sleep. It just be attentive, be discreet, attentive and ready. Praying that you may have the full strength. Everyone, we need strength that only the Holy Spirit can provide. Holy Spirit, give me, I, I need strength on this. You know what, the Holy, you know how you get that strength? Because the Holy Spirit is only going to remind you of things that you have written, I mean read, and things that you have heard. This is why you have a great pastor who tells you the word. you got to be hearing God's word. If you're watching online or maybe you're visiting here tonight, if you're not in a place that's not hearing the word, you're not going to get strength. Strength, I'm, for any of those who don't, I, mean, I don't want to upset anyone who doesn't eat meat. But strength, the Bible says, comes from the meat, not the milk, right? It comes from meat. Strength comes from the meat of the word. So you need to pray and have the ability to be accounted worthy to escape all of these things. What are things? Things in God's word. I promise you this is what's going to happen to you prior to the rapture of the church. It's going to be wicked. And you're going to freak out. But I told you this in advance so you might have peace, John 14. Because they're all going to be taken together and it's all going to happen together. It's going to take place. It's all going to, it sounds like he's consistent with what John said in Revelation 1. So Jesus is telling his disciples, you and I, what it will look like during the tribulation. So when we see them forming, 
coming to pass. Coming to pass. Not after they've already passed. <laughs> the, things, <laughs> the things are going to happen during the tribulation, if you see them now, we didn't miss the rapture, everyone. We didn't. We didn't miss it yet. Don't get scared. Matthew 24, 33. When you see these things, I just want you to get those in your head. Things. Things are not what you think. Things are not what a prophet that you're listening to who's one for ten. <laughs> huh. Okay, I'll go back to that later. I had some really funny stuff there, but it's okay. Ecclesiastes 1.9. And I don't even know who, I don't have anybody in mind, everyone, but all I know is the prophets are never wrong. Listen to someone who's never wrong. And I have, the easiest way to filter that is this right here. Never wrong. Never. Ever. You can get people twisting this. You can get people leaving stuff out. You can get people adding to it. But if you stick with this, it's never wrong. It tells you what you need to be ready to escape all these things that are coming. And he's not just talking about the things that are going to come upon the earth prior to the rapture. To escape all the things in hell if you die before the rapture of the church. You know that you could die before it actually happens? But then we're going to pop up together anyways. Remember, it says there's no benefit for those who have already are still alive than those ones who already died. We're still going to, eventually they're going to catch up and take us past. They're just going to pass us somewhere along the way. Okay? So Ecclesiastes 1.9, the, the wisest man ever in the Bible, the Bible says so, the thing that has been, word, things that have happened in his word, promises in his word, I promise you, if you act this way, here's the judgment. If you're disobedient, here it is. I promise you, the thing that has been, the stories of the Bible are repeating. Whatever has happened, it will happen again. And it's for our benefit, everyone, that we learn from people's past mistakes. I'm going to say it one more time. It's so good to learn from someone else their mistakes. Isn't it? Isn't it great? It's one of the, I just, have you ever watched these bloopers on TV, people just doing stuff, and it's like, oh, my goodness, he's riding a skateboard 90 miles an hour down the expressway. And then he falls, and you go, okay, maybe I shouldn't do that. I was going to try that, too. I was going to try it. Look at that person. He's on the edge of his roof in his backyard, and the swimming pool is 20 feet away, and he's going to jump. He's going to try to get in that swimming pool. It's 20 feet away, and he's 18 feet short. You know what? I, would, I wouldn't try that. Learn from other people's mistakes. You know what the Bible is filled with? Not just people who did everything right, but also people who did stuff wrong. <laughs> so just because they did it was wrong doesn't mean you're supposed to do it because it's in the Bible. It says learn from the people who did what was wrong. I want to follow and do what is right. You know, I, or even in the New Testament said, Look at Abraham. Father Abraham, right? You guys know who Abraham is, right? You probably do, because he had many sons, right? And many sons. Okay, all right, all right. All right I was just checking. I didn't know if some of the guys in church got the same. All right, because it's all right. Same Abraham. All right, I just want to be scared. Okay, verse 10. Verse 10. Declaring the end and the result from the beginning. Wait, wait, wait. So God's declared the end and the result of it from the beginning of time. But I just like the New Testament. Go read the Old Testament. Because <laughs> he told us in the old what's going to happen at the end. 
Oh, I think it's the New Testament's just much more happier, Pastor. Nope. Blessed, happy, and envied is someone who reads the whole thing. So there are things that are going to happen in the future, bottom of page two, after Israel becomes a nation again. You know, there's things that are taking place right now, but they had to wait until Israel becomes a nation again. You don't, the current events that we just did with Iran, Turkey, Russia, Libya, up inside Ethiopia, Sudan, and Egypt, that can't happen unless Israel's a nation. Because who cares? They're not surrounding anything. It's like Israel's not a nation. It doesn't matter. Middle of page three. We already did Revelation 1 in our current events. Middle of page three. We need to know the signs because as Revelation 1.3 says, it's happening very speedily. It's warp speed. Warp speed. You think you know what's going on, and the next day everything changes. We need to know the signs, and it's a blessing to hear it. It's a blessing to preach it. It's a blessing to act on it. The belief in action is the sign of our faith. If you really believe that this is God's word trying to speak to you and I, then we should, our conduct, our life should change. Okay, two people. Okay, if we really believed that this is something that's going on out here, because you know what? The godless world believes that there's something going on, and they're preparing for it. Whatever, they don't even know what they're preparing for. And the church is going, eh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I don't, I don't know. Could be, could be anything. No, it's something, because I'm commanded to know it. It's, it's all throughout Old and New Testament. I'm commanded to know this. So what do I have to be do? What, what do I have to do to be found ready to escape these things? Well, Ecclesiastes said, I told you from the beginning, right? God told us from the beginning. Isaiah said it's already been declared. So the never wrong prophet Isaiah, the wisest man ever in Ecclesiastes, told us something had happened in the beginning that's going to happen at the end. So I start from the beginning of the Bible, and I read to the end. And I went, there's a repeating thing here. Something happened to righteous people. Not, it didn't say perfect people. Do you know how many perfect people there are or have ever been? How many perfect people have lived on the earth? And, and they're not in the room anywhere. <laughs> a couple people. One. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'll point them out later, but it was fine. It was fine. But it's who I thought. No, anyways, okay, Genesis 5, 21. When Enoch was 65 years old, this is, where is this found at? Genesis where? I would say it's pretty close to the beginning, right? Because you can't get too much closer because chapters 1, 2, and 3, it's just Adam and Eve. And then they sinned. But here in Genesis 5, something happened. We already get a glimpse of some type of deeming something's taking place, right? That we can be found righteous even though we sin. Something can happen. You know that Jesus came and his blood? Okay, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay, oh, this is so exciting. Okay. When Enoch was 65 years old, Methuselah was born. We talked about a little about him on Sunday night. Methuselah was how old though when he died? 69 years old. When do you think he no longer was driving? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like 969 years old, right? He's, just, he's driving himself to the ark every day. Are they done yet? I want to get out of here. 
God said, I have to die first, but that's got to be close to being done. I got to get out of here. Get me out of here. Enoch. Enoch walked in what? What does it say? What does the Bible say? Habitual fellowship. That means his habit was to do what was right according to God's commands. It was his habit. Habitual fellowship with God. After, so fellowship is a relationship. Fellowship is not waving high. Hey, God, peace. Woo! I prayed to you today over Burger King because I get a heartburn. I pray. That's not a fellowship. That's not relationship. He had fellowship. He had a relationship with God. And after the birth of Methuselah, 300 years, and his other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Up until that point, everyone lived over 900 years of age. After that, they lived 900 years of age. First 10 generations of men, according to your chart, they all lived an average of over 900 years. Take him out, I think it was like 909. So God called him home early. Hmm. Is that a bad thing? But in the church, we often think that's a bad thing, don't we? I'm not saying you can't feel sorry. You can't mourn for the loss of relationship. But don't get mad at God when he gives someone their reward for being righteous. 365 years old. Let's say we average 70, 75 years old. So at age 25, God called that person home. He goes, hey, get up here. How awesome is that that they get the reward? And the church should go, like, wait, I'm going to see them again one day. I get to see them. And just like that just happened for them, I want that to happen for me. Once again, I'm not saying you clap when someone dies. I'm saying... It's understanding if they were found righteous, whoo, they're, with the, they're in heaven. They're in paradise. So when we look at the story of Enoch, it's like, what happened to Enoch? Hey, he was found righteous. It doesn't mean the other ones weren't righteous, but God called him home. Why? He had to set the example from the beginning so we would believe the rapture about the end. Oh, that was good. I should write that down. Oh, it does. Okay. All right, all right, okay. <laughs> Enoch walked in habitual fellowship. So after he got raptured, Moses writes in there, he reminded us, oh, by the way, Enoch walked in habitual fellowship with God. And then he was no longer, he was, according to the Hebrew, he was translated or he was raptured in the Greek. Or in the Latin, he was raptus. It's gone. Romans 10, 17. Because the Bible tells us Enoch was told by Adam, judgments were coming. We know all these things. The generations of men just came past. Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. You know, my dad told me one day judgment's coming. He was no longer here. That doesn't make it's not true. Just because my dad's no longer here doesn't mean what he told me is not true. <laughs> you know, the prophets aren't here anymore, but that doesn't mean what they said is not true. Because in 2 Peter 3, it says the church tells the other church people, yeah, 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 ever since they passed away, ever since they died, you keep saying judgment's coming, and it's not. You know, every time someone dies, that's judgment? Because you, you don't get a second chance. <laughs> okay, remember, the dead and the alive go up in the rapture if you are found habitually righteous. That's God's words, habitually righteous. It's right there in the Bible. So Romans 10, here's Paul writing to the church. The church thought they missed the rapture. They were getting slaughtered by the Romans. 
They thought they're going to the tribulation. Jesus had went, just went away. They're waiting for him to come back. Boom, boom, boom. It's like, hey, this is crazy. They're killing us. They're taxing us. It sounds just like today. Oh, we're going to look at that in a couple days. That the Bible says that the, the last empires of Bible prophecy will have the characteristics of Rome. Hmm. And we'll see it coming. I would say, in general, the Jews and the Christians are probably the least like two groups of people right now in the world. In the world. Hmm. At the time of Jesus, they were the least likely people who found success. They weren't really lifted up by the Roman Empire. And the Bible said that's what it's going to look like at the time of the end. But this is what Paul tells the church. Faith, you need to have faith that it's going to be okay. Not that I'm going to have a Ferrari tomorrow. Not that all my bills are going to be paid and I don't have to work anymore. Not that I'm just going to play the lotto and everything's going to be fine. He's talking about, listen, I told you this stuff was going to take place. It's for your benefit. You can see this happening. So you need faith. And where does that faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. Because Revelation 1 tells me I'm blessed to hear it. So faith comes because I'm hearing God's word about what's going to happen at the time of the end. Is it right? If I hear what's coming, Jesus said, peace. You're going to have peace because I'm telling you now. So when it happens, you'll have peace. So he said, faith, faith is going to come by hearing faith. And even though you can't see it, but I trust God's word. So faith comes from hearing God's word. I hear God's word. I look at, oh, Israel surrounded by Turkey, Russia. God's word is true. Boom, my faith is all of a sudden elevated to new heights. Hebrews 11.1, 1, the faith chapter. Hall of faith. Not hall of fame for you sports people, but the hall of faith. Faith is the substance of what? Things, which is God's word. Hmm. Wait, faith comes, wait, hold on a second. Romans, Paul wrote Hebrews and Romans. Isn't it interesting that Paul stays consistent? <laughs> you know, most people outside of the Bible are not consistent. I'm talking about Christian writers. You guys have ever heard of the, I don't know, maybe it's not the Church of God, or maybe a lot of it, I know people of Assemblies of God here as well. Does the author Tony Campolo mean anything to anyone here? Anyone? And then we'll skip it. Okay, it's fine. But it was a really good example. Okay. Oh, man, you're going to marvel later. You're going to look him up and go, oh, I wonder what he's going to say. Anyways, now faith. Faith is the substance of things. I got a lot more examples. Faith is the substance of things God's word hoped for. I read God's word and I'm, you know what? Oh, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. One day, there's going to be a rapture. And if you and I are still alive, according to Tim LaHaye, we're going to jump, we're going to go up in the air, and our clothes are going to be perfectly folded on the ground. <laughs> he took a little bit of a license there to do that, but it's okay. Maybe, they are, maybe our clothes will be perfectly folded when we go up in the rapture. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we're going to have time to do that because it says in the twinkling of eyes, it's like, hold on. I'm not a messy person, God. I don't want them to think of me like this when I'm leaving. I'll never be back again. If that's how I leave it, it's like, okay, all right. Uh, always iron your clothes, everyone. You just don't. Okay, all right. So faith is the substance of things. And we're not going to get through tonight. That's okay. Is that all right? And we'll stop at an appropriate time, but I'm saying I, I don't want to rush this because is, isn't there a lot in this? Because remember who he's telling? He's telling the end times church. 
because they thought they missed the rapture. They thought they, they were going through the tribulation. He goes, no, 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 but this is what you must do in order to be ready. He says, you're going to need faith because faith is the substance of reading God's word and believing it. And it's the evidence of things. What is things? Okay. Evidence of things. Evidence in God's word. So that means it already happened, right? Because it's in God's word, so it already took place. Hmm. See, there are things to come, right? Holy Spirit's going to show me things to come, but then are things, if there's evidence of things, that means they already took place. So the Bible is filled with things that have already taken place but not yet seen to us. I know that Noah was protected. I know that Enoch was raptured up because that's evident. They've already know that. The Jews believe that. It hasn't happened to me yet, but I know if God's not a respecter of persons, if I'm found righteous and they already did it for him, I have evidence. That's what God did for them and he'll do it for me. So, I have to believe, because faith tells me if it happened for them, it's going to happen for me. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should tell or act a lie, neither the son of man that he should feel repentance or compunction for guilt for what he has promised. All throughout God's word, I promise you I'm going to do this. I'm going to promise you to do this. Oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. I can't do that. I can't do that. There's not enough room for everyone who's going to be raptured. I got room for like 20. That's it. Gee, God, I need more time. Please don't send me down now for the rapture. I just don't got enough time. He said, I'm not feeling guilty about anything what I promised. If God says he's going to do it, shall he not do it? Stop doubting God's word. Oh, there's signs everywhere. I doubt it. It's crazy Christian people. No. If God says that's a sign, then it's a sign. Isn't that great? It's a sign. Uh, I don't know. Let me think about it. Oh, wait, it's here in Ezekiel, it's here in Daniel, it's here in Revelation, it's here in John. Oh, it's Peter said it. Oh, and Jude said it. Eh, I just need, give me maybe nine more passages. I gave you 24. What do you need? Because God doesn't want us to miss it. He'll never give you a word, a verse, and say run with it. He will give you confirmation old and new because that Old Testament is revealed in the new. That new is concealed in the old. There is nothing that is hidden that he wants us to miss. He's not trying to go, oh, please don't look, please don't look. No, no, no. I'm not embarrassed about anything that I promise because it's all going to come true. So Hebrews 11, 6, because without faith, without faith. James 2, 26 tells me that faith, that <laughs> Faith without acts of obedience leads to death. Doesn't it? James 2.26? With acts of obedience. So without faith or acts of obedience that I believe God is who he is and that judgment's coming, it's impossible for me to please God. Because if I'm not acting in obedience with them, I'm not in habitual fellowship with them. And that's what happened with Enoch, chapter 5, verse 5.22, right? He was found habitually righteous because it says he was filled with faith and he was obedient to God's word. So without being obedient to God's word, it's impossible to please God. No, he loves me even though I don't do it. That's why he corrects you. Oh, I don't like a correcting God. That's terrible. I want to sleep at night. No, you don't. Holy Spirit, rattle the cage. For whoever wants to come near to God must believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of someone who earnestly and diligently seeks him. 
Hmm. So James 2.26, without faith or actions of obedience, it's impossible. There's no such thing as faith without the actions to follow it up. There's nothing. You, you can't prove that you have faith if you're not obedient to it. So for it was by faith in Hebrews 11 that Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joel. You know, all of Hebrews 11 just keeps telling you stories of it was by faith and then Moses did this. By faith, then Noah did this. It doesn't say they were filled with faith and didn't tell you what they did. It was accounted unto them doing what was right because they did what was right. And they tell you what they did what was right. Don't tell me you have faith if you don't have any acts of obedience to back it up. Oh, I'm filled with faith, filled with faith, filled with faith. Are you filled with obedience? That's no. Then you're not filled with faith. <laughs> filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. You speak in tongues? Well, that's all I do. How about acts of obedience? I don't do that. Then you're not filled with the Spirit. You're not filled with the Spirit. Doesn't mean I've never sinned. It just means the Holy Spirit will convict me and I'll stop habitually doing that thing because that's what Paul said. I'm going to cut that thing off. Stop it. You know that we all still sin and come short of the glory of God. But he's faithful and just to forgive us. Oh, pastor, I've gotten to the point in my life where I no longer sin. Now, that's called pride and you just sin. <laughs> okay, all right. Because you all just agreed that there's only been one perfect person. And it says, we're not going to be just men just made perfect until we all get to heaven. So, <laughs> I think we all got a little work we have to do, right? So Paul always points back to the Old Testament when answering the question to the New Testament church, did we miss the rapture and what must I do in order to be ready? Remember, the New Testament church doesn't have the New Testament Bible. Hey, give me a copy of, oh, it's not open yet. Oh, it's not ready? Okay, all right. Well, then how did you know to ask that question, New Testament church, from the Old Testament? Because Isaiah said that one day our, our bodies are gonna, we're going to pop out of the ground. Because Zechariah, Zephaniah, we know the example from Enoch. We know the example of Elijah was raptured. He was walking, boom, 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 and he was no more. It was all throughout the Old Testament that these things took place. So the New Testament, top of page 5, points back to the old. There's nothing new under the sun, according to the wisest man ever. And the Old Testament and the New Testament is concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. It's in there. That's why they were explaining the Old Testament and the New Testament. They didn't create a new doctrine. They just said, let's go back. Let's make some clarity to what was already spoken, because you weren't concerned about judgment at that time. Everyone kind of wants to get in tune with what's going on when they think judgment's coming, right? Right? When's judgment coming, right? No one pays attention in school until you hear, well, wait, there's a test? Whoa, wait, 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 wait. You mean I've been sitting in this classroom for the last four weeks and you never told me? Actually, when you're in a classroom, you should expect a test. You know, in this life, you should expect tests along the way. Because how can he know that you're ready to move on to the next thing? Because he wants to trust you. If he can trust you with the little things, he can go to the bigger. That's called a test. But God loves us so much. If he feels that we're not ready to go to second to third grade, we get to repeat second grade. And you know why many Christians fail is they get tired of being in the same spot their whole life. Because they've never matured in Christ. Because they've never been obedient to his word. 
We think we can skip things in his word and God's just going to keep anointing us and, oh, God, just I want to do this and this. He goes, you can't even control your mouth. But God, I want to speak in front of people. You have a foul mouth. Who cares? I do. Because that won't enter into the kingdom. Mm. <laughs> Got quiet, didn't it? It's okay. Answer. You know the words for all of us, isn't it? Uh, okay, it's just for four of us. That's okay. Second Peter three. Second Peter three. Second Peter three. You know, there's a. It says here that he's writing a second letter, <clears throat> because so First Peter would have been what? First letter. <laughs> I tried to trip you up, but you got me. Okay, all right. He's writing them a second time because they're going, okay, hold on a second. Peter, you don't understand. The Romans are killing us. We really think we missed it. This, this has to be the tribulation. It has to be. He goes, nope. He goes, I need you to stir up your own soul, your sincere and spotless and pure mind. Think this through, church. Who's writing? Who's he writing? Church. Don't look to the person next to you and go, oh, he's probably talking to you because, no, he's probably talking to the church, and you're in the church. Not in the church building, but if you're in the body of Christ, that's what we call the church, right? He's coming back for a, a, the church. I'm asking you that you should recall, hmm, recall. Boy, in, in Acts 2, Something happened to Peter. What happened to Peter in Acts chapter 2? What happened? He was looking for something. Holy Spirit. Something, Holy Spirit came upon him. He stood up and said, this is that spoken of by the prophet Joel. Chapter 2. Hmm. That's recalling what was already written. The preceding verses in the 20s of Acts chapter 2, he said, wait, didn't prophet David? First he says, King David. Then he says, Prophet David. It started clicking in his head. David said something about this time. And then they all started speaking the same thing. 120 people. You guys remember? <laughs> Speaking in tongues, but all the people that were around, all these nations from Hamshem and Japheth were sitting there listening to them. All the nations that I just posted on the current events, all of those nations that you saw were represented in Acts chapter 2. They all heard it. They all heard the gospel message in their own language. They all heard the gospel message. This is what recalling means. I'm recalling something that's already been written. So Peter says, I want you to recall something that's already written, and it's the predictions. Oh, boy, here you go. Something's been written about the future. Of who? Of who? The prophets. You know why he wants to remember what the prophets said? Because the prophets are what? He didn't say, you know... There was some, some guy on the street, and most of the time he's right. Well, you should recall all the stuff that he said what was right. 
No. He said, remember everything that the prophets said because they're never wrong. I want you to recall every single thing from the prophets, the commandments of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and through their messages from the apostles. You need to remember everything that you heard. You're walking around, you're listening to Jesus, and you're listening to the apostles saying, Jesus said this, Jesus said this, Jesus said this. He goes, you need to remember it all because Jesus talked about what it's going to look like at the time of the end. Jesus did. No, 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 I think it was just the prophets. No, 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 Jesus did because he clarified what the prophets were saying. So to begin with, you must know and understand this. Who's he talking to? Who's he talking to? Church. Church, to begin, you must know and understand this. Scoffers and mockers in the church are going to come in the last days. Hmm. No one's scoffing and mocking on the outside of the church saying, yeah, what do your prophets have to say now? They don't know. You think people who don't go to church, who've never read their Bible, are coming in accusing us of, yeah, where's your end time prophecy now from Isaiah? They don't know. Who's Isaiah? There's not a lot of people out there running around <laughs> named Ezekiel, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. <laughs> hey, my friend Zephaniah told me the other day, no, there's not a lot of Zephaniah and Zacharias running around. Don't get confused with what's going to take place here that the Bible's predicting that's going to take place and is taking place in the church right now. People are scoffing and mocking the church in general for believing God's word is true, that the signs that are taking place were predicted, and we need to recall those things so we don't miss the rapture of the church. So no, in the last days... In the last days, what are the last days? Israel's being surrounded, one world economy is being talked about, one world religion is being talked about. The Pope is having an interfaith prayer in Iraq, right outside of the city of Ur, with Sikh, Hindu, and Islam. He's building a one world religion headquarters in Abu Dhabi. Hmm. Everything's going to a cashless society. Once again, that's not the evil part, it's a sign. It's a sign. I used my credit card today, I was not sinning, it was cashless. Was it, right? <laughs> the church is going to say, then where is the promise of his coming? Where is it at then? He's coming. When? Soon. When? No man knows the day or the hour. Well, then who cares then? Well, but Jesus commanded us to know the season of his return. Just because someone mocks you about wanting to know the season of his return, remind them, I'm commanded to know the season of his return. You're mocking me for being obedient to God's word? I'm commanded to know this, and so are you, brother and sister in Christ. Why would you mock and scoff at me? Because he's not here yet. If he was already here, I'd be gone and you wouldn't. Well, that was funny. That was good. That was good. All right. I didn't mean to, I just pointed it to the ground. I didn't want to actually point anyone. It's all right. No, I'm not going to hurt anybody's feelings. So the Holy Spirit came upon Peter, Acts chapter 2, right? And then he immediately was recalling those things that were predicted by the prophets. Joel, David, Psalms, all these things. It happened all throughout the New Testament, baptized in the Holy Spirit. All these apostles are going, hey, this was written, this was written. Paul, read this. Joel, read this. Jude, everyone's just boom, 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 
read this, read this, read this. So Jesus said, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he's going to convict, convince, and bring demonstration about sin, judgment, and righteousness. The Holy Spirit, that's what he does. The Holy Spirit doesn't baptize you in the Holy Spirit for you to keep living the same way you've always lived. So why would Jesus say that? Well, I thought it was about the time of the end. Yes, in order to get ready for your time of your end, you better stop sinning, you better live righteously, because judgment's coming. The Holy Spirit is there to remind you, I'm not promised tomorrow. <laughs> stop trying to predict when the rapture's coming. Don't predict it. Oh, I think it's going to be in two days. You can know the season's return. I'm living like the season of his return right now because I see the signs. I see it. But if you're saying, I think I got five more days, so I'm going to sin for four more. Stop predicting because when that happens, when people start picking days, they live up until that max time. You guys remember the story about Jonah from Sunday morning? Wicked people saw that God would judge a righteous prophet. They didn't wait 39 days when they were given 40. They immediately repented because they knew they weren't promised tomorrow. It's not wrong to know the season's return. That's what I'm talking to you about is the signs. I want to be ready. But don't say, I think I got more time, so you live a sinful life. Well, that was good. All right, okay. I want, to, I want to know the signs. I get pumped up about the signs. I get enthused because it doesn't freak me out. If I didn't know what was going on, I'd be freaked out right now. I would. I'd be freaked out. I'd talk really fast if I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Verse 12, Jesus said, I still have many more things. What are things? Word, I got, I got a lot more stuff to tell you about what the prophets said. I got stuff to tell you about the future. I got, I got so much stuff to tell you yet, but you're not able to bear it right now. You know what? That's why I could have sit up here for 14 hours, but you're not going to be able to take it all in. It's like, okay, hold on. I love steak, and in my mind, I think I could eat a whole cow at one time. But I know I can only take so much in at one time, right? I can only take so much in at a time, because then I got to process that which I've already taken in. And then it's like, okay, can I have steak in 10 minutes again? Yes, okay. So you want to keep building on that. It's like, I, I want to learn as much as I can. Now there's, I love learning. I love studying. I love it. But I also know when you speak and teach, it takes a while to process that. Right? Doesn't it? Who's a, who's a teacher in here? Anyone, who's a te anyone a teacher? Anyone want to be a teacher? <laughs> anyone ever been taught? Okay. <laughs> Even that was kind of weak. Okay, all right. All right. Wow. <laughs> Woo! I'm praying for Pastor Paul right now. Anointing on you, my brother. <laughs> it's like, woo! Okay, verse 13. Sin, judgment, righteousness. And there's a lot more stuff out there that he wants to tell you. But in verse 13, Jesus says, in the spirit of truth, when he comes, remember in chapter 14, he says, he's going to guide you in all truth about what's going to come, and he's going to give you peace about it. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he's not going to speak of his own message. He's not going to speak something contrary to what's already written. So when a modern-day prophet starts speaking something that's contrary to God's word, he's not filled with the Spirit or she's not filled with the Spirit. It's meant to beguile you. That's what the Scripture says in Peter, Paul, Jude, John. It says they're beguiling you. They're, 
They're playing with you, and they're trying to lead you astray from the truth. That's what happened in Revelation chapter 2. The, uh, the spirit of Jezebel was in Thyatira, and it says, church, end times church, this is the issue I have with you. You tolerate someone who calls themselves a prophet, and they're deceiving you into sexual immorality and sin. Because they're saying this is no longer sin. You know what's going on in many of the churches across this country? Sexual immorality. People are living together, don't want to talk about it. People don't want to talk about, am I he, she, or am I in the middle? You know what? I can pray for that person who's living in the dark, but as the church, we should know the truth, and the truth will set them free. Well, I don't want to hurt. I don't want to harm. You're hurting people by telling them the truth? I can love that person because they're in the dark, because people get hurt themselves when they're in the dark. But we are children of the light, and we're supposed to be shedding the light on the truth. We're not supposed to be quiet about the truth. I'm going to be on the, I'm going to ring like Ezekiel said, man, I'm going to shout up in the rooftop. I'm going to let everybody know what's going on. The church should be the mouthpiece for truth. But he who leads with the Father, he's going to get the message. And he will announce, the Holy Spirit's going to announce and declare to you things. What are things? Word. Promises in the word. Things to come. Things that have already been. I'm Go recall the predictions of the past about the things that have not yet happened in, from ancient times in Isaiah. Because he's going to declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm reading, like even tonight, right? You're going to go home, and you're going to go, wow, did you buy turkey yet for Thanksgiving? And guys, let me tell you right now, this is what you say. You mean the country of Turkey? Because Turkey is surrounding Israel right now. Huh? <laughs> eh? Make her feel guilty about not being holy. So, God, give me that recollection to get me out of this situation. No, I don't understand. When you see things now in the news, it's like, I know what that's about. I know what that's about. Critical race theory. I know what that's going on there. It's a deception. God made us all in his image. He didn't mess up. You're trying to tell me that God messed up. He didn't. Oh, well, I know a church down the street is just one. No, they're wrong. God did not mess up. There's sin in the world, but God didn't mess up. Sin came into the world because man messed up. All right, you guys ready? Okay, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. <laughs> uh, you know why I don't, I used to date notes, and I don't anymore. Just in case we use them the next time. Okay, all right. It's just easier to say part two. It's a continuation. So I don't want to fly through this because there's so much, and... Um, so I, I'm going to, I, I may, I, I'll skip some things just so you know, because they're not, they're not important. It's just because there's some replication in here. But one of the key things that I found in my own personal life, and I think um, when you're teaching, when you're preaching, when you're being taught, repetition is key. Repetition. It is so important to keep repeating the same thing over and over and over. Just as a golfer, who's a, anyone the golfer in here? I didn't take a look when Pastor mentioned that on Sunday. Is anyone golfing in here? Well, there goes the golfing stories. We got one? Okay, we have one? Okay. Well, here we go. This is just for you. <laughs> Everyone else just talk quietly amongst yourself now. Okay. In golf, just like many, many things, it's called muscle memory. Muscle memory, right? At first, it's mechanical, right? Okay, feet apart, address the ball. Okay, feet apart. All right, well, now what do I do? Bend down a little bit. Okay, now what? Very mechanical, isn't it? It's instruction. 
pull the barn back. Keep this arm straight. Talk this one a little bit. Don't roll your wrist. And it's like all of these things are like, oh, my goodness, who would ever want to golf? Right? Okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, there's golf in heaven, by the way, just so you know. You missed the cloud. It's a long way down there. Sorry. Anybody got another ball? The third heaven is so high. It's just so. So you're golfing. It's muscle memory. The more you do it, if you're doing it correctly, you see the results of muscle memory doing something correctly. If you no longer or never had a desire to golf to begin with, you will never get to the place of muscle memory. You will be so frustrated at all this, don't do this, don't do this. It will become like a religion to you where it's just filled with the do's and the don'ts. You will lose the heart of what God's word is. You desire to be with me. You desire to have that spiritual memory of what it means to follow me and to stop sinning. It's not about, can I do this? Can I do this? No, it's my rule book. God, I want to learn this thing so it becomes muscle memory to me because I want to stop and cut those things off that can easily be set me back because I'm shanking the ball right and I remember your word tells me to stop doing that. And I look at that person, I see them keep hitting the ball right and I know what it took for me to correct it so I'm going to now tell them because that's what a love person does in the body of Christ. We see where there's error and there needs to be correction, but if we never get to the place where I just want to be a, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you'll get so hung up with the do's and the don'ts that you'll forget that God's a loving God, that I'm to be righteous, but you'll never even want to follow the rules to get to the place where it becomes muscle memory, where I'm not struggling with every single sin that easily besets me. So let's look at what the never-wrong prophet Ezekiel said. Phenomenal golfer. Phenomenal golfer. <laughs> you can see right there that picture of them. Two golf bags right there. There you go. Actually, look more like butter churns, but that's okay. There's not a lot of pictures at the time of Ezekiel that I could find. <laughs> There's a couple. I colorized that one. It was just it was bad. So here, we got to find a little bit about the prophet Ezekiel before we move on to what he said, because I just want to show you, because it's interesting, uh, when you grow up maybe in Sunday school, growing up at church, or maybe some of your Bibles, they'll have a little history of you know, what's like the book is about. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, here in the book of uh, Daniel, it's written about you know, uh, 600 B.C., and it, it took over about 100 years to write. And most people know, most people who grew up in the church, their number one story about Daniel is Daniel in the... Daniel's the lion's den guy. He's the lion's den guy. That's it. That's all he did. No. Ezekiel. Who's Ezekiel? Crazy Ezekiel guy, right? For people who know, I mean, I think it's Ezekiel 5. He's the one. That, do you guys know he cut his beard through someone in the wind, through all this, and that's how many people are going to be separated and who's going to go in captivity and who's not going to captivity? It's not one of the more popular stories. But we're going to break it down tonight in detail over the last 30 minutes. No, I'm kidding. Right, right. <laughs> it is pretty cool, though. But as many with prophetic books of the Bible, the visions and interpretations of these writers, they can be very perplexing. Like, what are you talking about? Like in Daniel Sunday night, remember the images and the beast empires. Many people don't know about beast empires. You guys remember that from Daniel? Because it trips them up. It's like this beast. It's a beast. It's like Daniel said this beast and this beast. So Daniel even says, from, remember, Daniel was writing from the time of 
what? Babylon. Babylon Empire. So he calls that one. Because Assyria and Egypt had already happened, right? One and two had already happened. So he said, from this point forward, king, here's the gold. We're the gold head. Boom, we're one. Where, and he calls it a beast. If you guys read many of the different translations in the Bible, from Daniel 2, when you get into 4, 7, 8, 9, it actually says the, the empires. It says it's the Grecian Empire. And it has the metal the Grecian Empire was known for. It has the silver of the media Persian Empire. That's the Persian, or Iran took that over at the back half of that empire. So you have the Babylonian Empire, one, media Persia, two. You have Greece, three, Rome, four, at the time of Daniel. Then he said, there's two more to come. And so John calls it, but those are seven and eight that are to come. Well, who, well how, how can that be? Because Assyria and Egypt had already taken place. A beast system is only, it's a government and a religion. That's it. So he goes, and I saw the seventh beast. It's the seventh government of Bible prophecy. That's it. That's all it means. And it's a religion, and it's a government. And it's going to come from an empire that was already taken down, that had already died but never really completely died. In Daniel chapter 4, it said the Babylon empire was cut down to a stump, but it was never completely uprooted. And it says it comes back. Its deadly head was, it, it wound was healed. And the Babylonian empire came back. And Mystery of Babylon, with the, the, the Pope came into it as well. And they all came into attack at the end of the Seventh Empire, starting the Eighth Empire or Eighth Beast System. Is everyone with me on that? So when you think beast, and that's why we actually did that Sunday night, is because it's going to help us when we do current events the next couple nights in Revelation. It's like, this is the Seventh Beast Empire, which is going to be coming from Iraq, Lebanon, and Syria. Oh, wait, huh, that is where Russia Turkey and Iran are right now inside of Syria. Iraq, also, after, before the Arab Spring, that was overtaken, right? The United States, and then in Afghanistan, we're going to talk about that a little bit too. Oh, so exciting. All right, I told Pastor Paul about 10 o'clock we would all be done, so. But I'm going to pull it back a little bit. I'm going to pull it back. No, we'll, we'll, we're almost, is everyone good though, so far? All right. So Jesus, Peter, Paul, Jude, and John, all were saying throughout God's word, this is that which was spoken. They're all, all pointing back. This is that which was, oh, this is that that was spoken of by Isaiah. Jesus said, I'm the guy that Isaiah, Isaiah spoke about. I'm the one fulfilling scripture right now. He read that in the synagogue. So the book of Ezekiel is one of the great prophetic of our lifetime messages because it's happening right now. It's happening right now. So Ezekiel grew up in Jerusalem. It's the second paragraph on page 7. Ezekiel grew up in Jerusalem, served as a priest in the temple. He started as a priest. He wasn't born a prophet. At age 6, they didn't call him Prophet Ezekiel. Mom, I already know it's for dinner. What? Little Ezekiel, tell me, what do you think for dinner? Stage two formula. You're a prophet, you know. <laughs> he wasn't a prophet. You know, prophets were called prophets after they established themselves to be always right. No one was born a prophet. It may have been predicted that they would be a prophet. John the Baptist, for instance, it was predicted, but he still had to walk in that, right? So Ezekiel, he didn't start as a prophet. He started as a, a pastor in a church. God anointed him. He kept saying, hey, here's, 
all he was doing was quoting Isaiah and Jeremiah. He goes, this, hey, you guys, you're going to be in captivity. You were told. Isaiah Jeremiah told you this. And I'm telling you this, 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 this. And he goes, oh, we're captured, second wave. Daniel's already gone. You are a prophet. Because he was proven never to be wrong. He didn't start as a prophet. But everything he kept saying, God was anointing him to speak truth. And it came true so we can trust Ezekiel when Israel gets surrounded at the time of the end. Ezekiel, he went from telling people, it's doom and gloom, you're done, your judgment's coming, stop sinning, and then it's like, now they're captured, and he goes, okay, all right, you guys, we can be redeemed from this. It's going to be okay. Page 8. Ezekiel said, the word of the Lord came to me. Word of the Lord came to me said, Son of man, speak to your people, the Israelites, the captives who are now in Babylon. Say to them, when I bring the sword upon the land and the people of the land, take a man from among them and make them their watchmen. You'll see a watchman, a mouthpiece for God, pastor, preacher, and anointed to proclaim that which was foretelling things in the future, but also bringing forth that which was already spoken. A watchman looks for things coming that were already supposed to take place. You guys understand that? You have ones who see the future, and you also have ones that see things coming that were already prophesied. So in the Bible, you'll have foretelling prophets. They foretell the future. That's the definition of a prophet. They foretell the future, and they're never wrong. Everything they say comes true. Then you have prophetic people who will bring forth that, rightfully identifying that this is that which was spoken of by a prophet in saying this is that which is, and they go, oh, yes, this is that which was spoken of. Do you guys understand the difference? So there's foretelling, for this is what's going to happen in the future, or foretelling, bringing forth that which is already spoken by people. So this watchman on the tower, if when they see a sword coming upon the land, judgment, judgment, he blows the trumpet and he warns the people. So the watchman is what you would equate to from Isaiah 56, the watchman on the tower. It says they're like dumb dogs who don't bark. This would be the example of a pastor, preacher, teacher, looking at what's going on in the world and saying, I think judgment's coming. You guys think judgment's coming? Well, how do I know? Because the signs. Jesus said, you're not going to miss this. You're not going to miss it. Old and New Testament tells you judgment's coming. So what must I do to be right? Well, the Holy Spirit, send judgment and righteousness, preach the word. Preach the word. Whoever hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning. The sword comes and takes from his way. The blood shall be on his own head. Okay? I know what's going on. I don't care. But he, he heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But, verse 6, if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not... Wait. Hmm, the sword. Biblically speaking, it's judgment. You know, you can live a sinful lifestyle, and guess what? And you call yourself a Christian, you know what's going to happen? Judgment. What happens in the body of Christ is we no longer like to blow the trumpet to our friends. Blowing the trumpet doesn't mean one-on-one -on -one he blows the trumpet to the whole church about the one person. Oh, my goodness, they just told they're cheating on their spouse. Oh, my goodness. oh everyone gather around. no. This here is judgment upon the land. Judgment's coming on everybody. 
We don't even like to get involved one-on-one. Privately, we don't even like to do that. Can you imagine a pastor, preacher, and teacher, how well they're loved if they said, everyone, judgment's coming for everyone. And you're thinking, not me, I'm perfect. Judgment, judgment doesn't just mean it's bad. Judgment means it's good. In order to get a reward, you have to be judged. Okay, all right, just two people. Okay, judgment just doesn't mean it's bad. Judgment is good. Why don't people like talking about the rapture? Because it means judgment. And if you're ready to go, you go, bring it on. Get me out of here. And if you're not ready, you're going, oh, that's stupid. I think it's post-trip. I think it's mid-trip. I don't think it's at all. I don't want to talk about it at all. Let me live in my sin. I don't want to feel guilty. I need sleep tomorrow. I got to get up early. (laughs) I just made myself laugh. Sorry. Okay, all right. Here we go. The sword comes and takes, if the sword comes, ooh, boy, here we go. If the sword comes and takes any of them, he is taken away in his first perversity and iniquity, but his blood will I require of the pastor, preacher, or teacher. <gasps> okay, perversity and iniquity. Iniquity means unrepentant sin. Okay? Iniquity doesn't mean I sinned, and I know it, and I ask for forgiveness, and I know it's a sin, and iniquity means it's a sin I no longer ask for repentance because I don't care or I don't think it's a sin. Do you understand? So iniquity is unrepentant sin. Does it? So this is why Jesus said, many will come at the time of the end, many pastors, preachers, teachers, and deceive many about sin, judgment, and righteousness and things to come. That's why you need to recall the predictions of the prophets of the Old Testament because they're always right. But many will come in my name propagating my name, saying, no, this is who Jesus is now. He's changed. No, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God didn't change anything. He said, you think I've come to change the rules, and I didn't. I came to fulfill the law of the prophets and to bring forth the moral laws from the Old Testament. That's why he came. So if a pastor, preacher, teacher doesn't tell anybody, the blood's going to be on their hands. So anytime, Pastor Paul, Mr. Kim, you're teaching, and you just want to just light into a group of people, they love you. They don't want to see you miss it. They want to see you miss it. Now, some people, and we've all had those pastor, preacher, teacher moments, right, that not everyone comes across smiling, right? Not everyone comes across animated or excited or, you know, they can come across, that doesn't mean they don't love you. Passion can be found in many different ways, right? Skip down to verse 13. Skip down to verse 13. Next page, page 9. God's telling Isaiah to be a good watchman and that you need to tell people judgment's coming. And he says, when I shall say to the uncompromisingly righteous... That would be equated to Genesis chapter 5, verse 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, is who walked in habitual fellowship, right? That he shall surely live and he trusts to his own righteousness to save him and commits iniquity, heinous sin. All his righteous deeds shall not be seriously remembered, but for his perversity and iniquity that he's committed, he shall die. 
If you think no matter what you do, I'm living right for Jesus, but I got four sins and I don't care what you say about it, you're going to die. Doesn't matter. It goes on and on, verse 14 and 15, about committing iniquity. Iniquity is unrepentant sin. You better be careful who you're listening to about what sin is and what sin isn't. If you ever question, wait, I thought that the Bible says that was a sin. And you find out that that person is lying to you, stop listening to them. Paul said, if I start preaching and teaching a different gospel, stop listening to me. Stop picking and choosing. Well, but they're so nice. They got a good radio voice. They soothe me at night. They put me to sleep by telling them everything's going to be fine. It's not if you're not right for, and ready for Jesus. Ezekiel 2.7, middle of page 10. Ezekiel, speak my words. Speak my words. God's words. The Holy Spirit will only speak what God says. So when someone says, Holy Spirit told me, and it's opposite of God's word, Holy Spirit didn't tell you. God's saying, speak my words to them, whether they will hear it. Whew. Wow. You know, one of the hardest things is to preach, teach, instruct, whatever, and not just in a religious sense, but as a parent. And they don't want to hear it. Right? And you know when they're not, you know when your own kids turn you off, don't you? Right? I was in the military, and my TI in basic training, he could tell when we were turning him off. Or he thought, if he, even if he thought we were turning him off. We had to drop and give him 5,000 push-ups, set-ups, maybe a steel-toed boot in your side. It didn't really matter. They want you to pay attention. Why? They want to make sure you grow and mature in the way that you should go. It's very important to speak God's words because if I get up here and tell you the way I think you should go, if I wanted you to like me, I might be a little soft one day. If I was angry and I could care less what you think and I just wanted to just lighten you about anything, I might be a little cruel that day and not even line up with God's word at all. If I just preach God's word, whether you like it or not, it doesn't matter. Why? The Bible says, my hands are clean of your blood. And I don't go, yeah, I can do that. No, it's, God, I'm not here to be liked. I'm here to let them know that I love them, that I'm, I'm risking, I don't care if you want to bolt out of here afterwards. It doesn't matter. You're angry, you're mad, you want to post of it. As long as I stick with God's word, it doesn't matter because I stand alone before God. He goes, but did you tell them, even though they didn't want to hear? Yep. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Ezekiel 33, 8. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die, but his blood I will require on your hand. Next page, page 11. Just uh, about five, six more minutes, and then keep your notes, and we'll have more notes uh, tomorrow night as well. And I, I'm not going to tell you don't read ahead, because you will, and that's fine. It's fine. It's not a sin to read ahead. It's fine. It's just all Bible. Second Timothy. This is um, Paul Knowles writing Pastor Tim something. Time of the end stuff. I charge you in the presence of God, who is to judge who? Oh, hold on a second here. Hmm. 
Paul's writing Timothy an end times letter to the pastors for today. He addresses the letter. He's saying, I charge you in the presence of God, Pastor Tim. We just know from Ezekiel, you need to preach the whole counsel of God's word and not lay off anything, right? Because then the blood's on your hands. Here in the New Testament, remember the Old Testament is just being revealed in the New. It's concealed. It goes back and forth. They don't change the message. It doesn't go back. It doesn't change. Here's Paul telling Tim, they're going to be judged, the living and the dead. How am I to preach? That doesn't matter if you're dying or you're going to be alive at the time of the rapture of the church, judgment's coming. That's how I preach. And I preach by the light of what? What does it say? His coming. His rapture. So you are going to be judged. doesn't matter if you're alive or you're dead. And the rapture is coming. I am to preach. I am to preach that the rapture is coming. I am to preach to the filter of the rapture is coming. I don't care if I'm talking about faith. I don't care if I'm talking about healing. I don't care if I'm talking about relationship, about how to raise your kids. It doesn't matter. I preach and I teach through the filter of judgment for the living and the dead, and Jesus is coming. That's huge. He's telling them how to preach. So when you know something may be a little harsh, maybe a little ouchy sometimes, the passion, we don't want you to miss it. And by the light of his coming, and what? His kingdom. What gets into the kingdom? Righteousness. John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. Jesus, after John went, repent for the kingdom is at hand. What gets into the kingdom? Herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Be ready whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable. Oh, Pastor Grant, I thought we were just going to talk about end times tonight and Ezekiel and all the nations, and we're going to get there. But sometimes you have to, yeah, sometimes you have to have a little foundation before you start. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with getting a little cheese stick before you get your steak. And I, I found out from Dan the other night that cheese sticks are, you like cheese sticks, you're in the Bible, right? You know that David brought cheese to the front line, you know, to feed, you know, it's, mm. Cheese sticks. They're going to be in heaven, everyone. It's going to be okay. Preach, whether it's favorable or unfavorable, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, whether it's welcome or unwelcoming, you as a preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong. Wow. (laughs) Boy, I'm glad that verse keeps going because that kind of sounds bad, doesn't it? You're all wrong. Let me show you which ways you're wrong. Do you have friends or family like that? They just want to show you in which way you're wrong, right? It's just like, man, every time I talk to you, I never do anything right, right? Don't look to the person on the left or right of you right now either. It's going to be fine. I want you to have a safe drive home. Okay. They love you. They love you. Convince people. So don't just tell people that they're wrong in what ways they're wrong, but convince, rebuke, correct, warn, urge, and encourage them. And be patient in teaching. Patient in teaching about what? Judgment? Jesus is coming and what gets into the kingdom? 
And it's very difficult for the natural person to always hear what is right according to God's word because in the natural we want to go, but I want to do it my way. The time is coming, I, th I think the time is already here, when people no longer like to tolerate wholesome instruction. I do, in general. I'm not saying everyone here tonight, because I think you're here tonight because you like wholesome instruction, right? I'm not saying the people who aren't here tonight don't like wholesome instruction, but it might be. Okay, I'm just kidding. Okay, 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 okay. okay. We're, we're keeping attendance. All right, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> I got a photographic memory. All right, so... But if you don't want to tolerate wholesome instruction, you're going to have itching ears. Okay. This is, this is big. Paul's telling Pastor Tim, you better be preaching about judgment, about the rapture, people dead or alive, and what's in the kingdom. Right? This is, this is, this is the filter of how you're supposed to preach. Because if you don't, people will have itching ears about what is sin and what about the time of the end. People will come up with their own conclusion about what's going on. I don't think this is anything. You know how many people believe in the church that there is no such thing as a rapture and we're just going to ride this thing out to the very end and they all get a white horse at the, and what's behind door number three regardless of how they lived. That has nothing to do with the Bible. As in the days of Noah, as in the days of life, I told you from the beginning what would happen at the end. They're going to gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number chosen to satisfy their own liking and foster the errors that they already hold. Now, all right, time. I, okay. It's going to be okay. I'm going to highlight one page, and then we're going to go. You all ready? This is where we're going to start on tomorrow night. And if you want to read ahead, that's fine. That's fine. It's terrible that you would do that, but it's fine. Can't believe you do that. I mean, we're all going to do this together. I don't like it if we're not all together doing something. That's all right. Where we're going to go, and I want to show you, is first we're going to start on page 20, and I, I didn't fib. I just, I'm going to show you two pages just so we highlight these things. Because this is important when we do current events, some of that map that I showed you tonight. Ezekiel 38, 2, page 20. Ezekiel 38, to page 20. Angels talking to Ezekiel. God speaking to Ezekiel. Many people say it's whoa, whoa. a representative from heaven speaking to Ezekiel. Son of man, set your face against Gog. The land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, Tabal. Prophesy against it. We are going to look at those next seven, eight pages. Who is Gog? Who's Gog? Well, I think it's a guy. It's not a guy. It's a principality. Because Gog comes back at the end of the millennium reign. Gog is a spirit over an area, just like there was in Daniel chapter 10. You guys ever done the Daniel fast? Anyone? Daniel fast? A couple people? Yeah. Well, we're going to start one tonight. I'm just kidding. Get your cheese sticks while you can. <laughs> Daniel chapter 10, it says there's these, these spiritual powers and principalities. Ephesians chapter 6, six talks about as well as spiritual. There's principalities that they're over certain areas and regions. One would be found in Greece. 
He said there's one in Persia. He's telling Daniel, hey, while you're praying, don't think, <laughs> don't think I didn't hear you. I'm fighting principalities here, here, and here. Gog is just a spirit principality, and we'll show that in Scripture, what he's talking about. So this spirit, this principality over this region named Gog, over this Magog area, is going to come down from Russia, southern Russia, from Afghanistan, Turkey. This is what verse 2 and 3 are talking about in Ezekiel 38. Then if you turn to page 30 real quick, and this is where we'll end right here on page 30. We'll briefly go over Gog, but I'm just telling you it's a spiritual principality. We're going through the scripture verses to find out where it came from, what's it referring to. But Gog shows up again at the end of the millennium reign. I don't know a lot of people who are going to live a couple thousand years as a natural man. Right? But then Gog is not only going to lead armies from Russia, Turkey, Afghanistan, but also verse 5. What's that name right there? Persia, which in 1935 got renamed to what? Iran. And then Ethiopia, Libya. That's right out of the Bible. Oh, my goodness. 2,700 years ago, he said... At the time, right around the time of the rapture of the church, these nations are going to come up against Israel. 2,700 years ago. Oh, wow. Mm. What are the chances? Wait, Jesus said when you see all of these things coming to pass, what? Oh, one world government, a one world religion. Oh. You'll see Libya. Hmm. And if you have different translations, you know there's cushion or put, and those are different areas. Now, there's maps on the remaining nine, eight pages in these notes. But we will see tomorrow night in Genesis all the descendants of Ham, Shem, and Japheth. The Bible lists that's who they are. Shem, the Semite, who has got the blessing, his two brothers got skipped over. They didn't get nothing. God knew something about the future, didn't he? And all of those nations listed in Ezekiel are from Ham and Japheth. And the Bible said, as it was in the beginning, they're going to come back and they're going to attack their brother. You know, Esau is part of that. He's going to attack his brother, Jacob. Esau is in Jordan right now. The descendants of Esau are the Edomites outside of Canaan. These are all these Bible stories we grew up with. And once again, if you had a flannel board growing up and your teacher, as a, and you're telling your five-year-olds this, they might be a little too heady for that. But us, as we grow in the knowledge of Jesus, as we become mature, we can see Russia, we see China, we see Turkey in the news. These are the very nations Ezekiel said to look out for. Well, how do I know the timetable? How, how can you know that? How? Hmm. Well, Israel had become a nation again right? 1948. These nations had to come up against them at the same time, one world ago. And then in Ezekiel 39, you're going to find out after this couple-day war, their artillery burns for seven years in the fields. How long is the seven-year tribulation? Isn't that interesting? The seven-year tribulation just happens to be seven years. Hmm. Huh. Do you guys get this tonight? Do you get this? You guys ready to go? Oh, wow, that wasn't very nice. Okay. 
All right, let's stand. We're going to close in prayer. We're going to pick this up tomorrow night. We're going to look at not just these nations, but we're going to look at how they're going to attack Israel. He said, I told you in advance what was going to happen. You could watch it unfold. So we know to get ready. So, Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the never wrong prophet Ezekiel not trying to change one single thing, even though it didn't make sense to him at the time. He didn't change one single letter because if he already did, we couldn't trust him. But for such a time as this, we can look back the things that he already said from the bringing forth back in the early 30 chapters in 34 and 35 and 36. He predicted that the Jews would come out. They'd come out of that terrible destruction where the Germans tried to kill them. He said that they would come back and reorganize Israel. He would say that the Palestinians would come up against them. And then he said these other nations then would come after that. And we see that taking place right now. Father, I thank you for the never wrong prophet Daniel who told us that this would be taking place in Syria, in Iraq, in Lebanon, in Egypt, in Libya. Because it is taking place right now. Father, I thank you for the ears and eyes of understanding because we got some revelation tonight, that which was already spoken, and to the instructions that were given in the Old and New Testament about we cannot be deceived, we cannot be duped about what is taking place, and it is through the filter of that that Paul told Pastor Tim for the end times, Pastor Timothy, that he is to preach and teach that there's a living and the dead judgment and that Jesus is coming, and it's about what we must do in order to be in that kingdom. Father, be with us tonight as we go. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen, Amen, everyone. See you tomorrow night, 630. 630, if you want to take extra notes on your way out for people, there's binders, there's notes.